Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Ah, it's just so awesome, so awesome. Hey, have you ever committed one of these things I call the great, great parent fail? It's Christmas. You shop and bought the best gift that you could for your child. You wrapped it so pretty. You put it under the tree. And on, on Christmas morning, they grabbed the present. They began tearing the paper off. And oh, it's the gift they really wanted. And then you look at, those, you look at the box and you see those dreaded directions. If you're a man that says, some assembly required, right? And so we hate that. So, but we work on it, you know. Our wife reads us the directions, or we read the directions to our wife, and she puts it together. And so there it is, this beautiful, beautiful gift, and you reach down to push the button for it to work, and it doesn't work. And then you begin reading the directions again, and you see that really, really small print that says, batteries not <laughs> included. Wow. So it doesn't matter how wonderful it looks how beautiful it looks, how functional that it looks, that without the batteries, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so it is in our life. We've been studying Holy Spirit for the last six or seven weeks. And we say, you know, a lot of Christian li Christians live their lives as if they have no batteries, you know. They're functional. They look good. But it's just the shell. And so they feel weak, pathetic, and average. I mean, we could even apply that to churches, right? I know a lot of churches that functionally, they look really good, but they're only a shell of what they could be because they have no energy, no power. And I hope that God speaks to you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great day, for the great worship, for the healings, for those that gave their heart to you in the first service and those that you restored. So today, Lord, we come. And I confess again with my mouth that, Holy Spirit, I can do nothing without you. All I can do is just share words. But when you anoint those words today, Holy Spirit, you bring us not just information, but transformation. So I'm leaning on you today and asking you to help me to speak right and help us to hear right today in the name of Jesus. So our theme verse for the last seven weeks has been from Acts 1 and 8. This is before Jesus ascended back to heaven, and he tells his disciples, he said, I'm going to send you some batteries that will help you to do life. Read this passage with me. But you shall receive power. Let's say it like we mean it. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So we said in this series, I'm not just teaching for information. Because I can teach you information, and we could sit here like a college course, and we could take notes, and we could go through all of that. But I'm not looking for just information. I'm looking for transformation. Say transformation. That's when, that's when you apply what you're hearing and understanding with your brain to your heart, and you begin to change. So at the very first week, seven weeks ago, I said, give me a blank sheet of paper. We all have ideas about Holy Spirit. We all have ideas about the gifts of the Spirit. Just give me a blank sheet of paper. As I was talking to someone between services, I said, did that make sense to you today? Does that help in any way? And they said, yeah, it just, it's just really good, especially when you said, give me a blank sheet of paper. Because what you're doing is you're not adding your thoughts 
or your philosophies, but you're saying, what does the scripture say about that? And I'll tell you, I, if I'm going to hear what somebody thinks about something or what the scripture says, I think the scripture trumps every time. How about you? If you, if you believe that, say amen. So two weeks ago, we began talking about the different gift listings in the New Testament. And we said there are the gifts that are given by God. They're there in your notes. And these are motivational gifts. They're the basic gifts that you have, um, one or more of those. It's the gift mix. It's who you are. It's the motivation. It's how you lean. You know, we looked at that and we said, you know, some people have the gift of mercy. You know, you're one of those people, if somebody falls in a hole, you crawl down the hole with them and you want to pat them and feel, uh, you want to pat them on the back and feel good, better watch what I say, right? And then you want to help them out and encourage them. And then there are others of us that maybe you'd be a little bit more prophetic and you'd say, hey, you know, if you'd watch where you're going, you wouldn't have fallen into that hole, right? And it takes all of those. And those are motivational gifts. So you don't try to become somebody that you're not. And those gifts are residential. And then we said there are gifts that are given by Jesus, and they're the ministerial office gifts, as in, Hebrew, as in uh, Ephesians 4. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher, often called the five-fold office gifts. You don't call yourself to those. God calls, and he gives those gifts to equip the church to do the work of ministry. And then there are the gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit, which we'll start looking at today, and they're called the manifestation gifts. Now, whether it's motivational gifts, ministerial gifts, or manifestation gifts, the purpose of all of God's gifts are threefold, really. To glorify God, to build up the church, and aid us in the mission that God has given us. That's not in your notes. Let me say it again. To glorify God, say that with me, glorify God, build up the church, build up the church, and to help the church fulfill our mission. There you go. Before Jesus left, he gave a mission to all churches. People say it in different ways, but it's basically go into all the world and make disciples. Go win the lost. Find the person that's captive, set them free with the good news of the gospel, right? So Acts 1 and 8, the rest of that verse says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. So he said, I want you to go. Here at the Father's house, we said our, our mission is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's pretty good, right? Reaching the lost. And in our staff retreat last week, as we were seeking God and praying, we felt like God said, I want you to fine-tune that a little bit. So I know for some of you that hate change, this is called a soft roll in this morning, all right? We're going to softly roll in this change to our mission statement, and uh, you'll see it completed in January. But here's what we felt like the Lord said to us, because I believe the church is the hope of the world, don't you? So here's what the Lord said to us. You want to read it with us? We are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. So here it is. Here's what we're doing. We're bringing hope. When you leave today, walk out this building, wherever you go, your job is to bring hope into a hopeless world. People have lost hope. They have no hope. And we're going to do that not by what we do inside this building, but we're going to use what God has given us, take hope, 
and make our community different. So basically what we're saying in the parentheses, read it with me, we want to make heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better. So let's look at this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. If you want to follow along in your Bible or if you want to look up at the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts. And in this chapter 12, Paul goes on and he talks about all the gifts that God has given us. And then in Romans, as we looked at that, at the motivational gifts. But he's giving us an understanding of all those. He said to the Corinthians church, Corinthian church, he said, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be misunderstood. I, I don't want you to have a half-truth. Because he said to the Corinthian church, You guys come behind in no gifts. I mean, you got the gifts just going like crazy. But you have no direction of how those gifts should be operated when you come together in a corporate service. So he said, now concerning those, I don't want you to be ignorant. So he goes on in verse 4. There are diversities of gifts. Would you underline that? Because I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works those all. Notice, the first week I said the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person, part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Some of you came from churches where God, the Holy Spirit, was sort of treated like that uncle that is weird, and you don't talk about him much. Some of you, you never really heard about the Holy Spirit, and you never thought about that. So I said, just give me a blank sheet, and let's look at what the Word says. But look at this. The three gift listings that I mentioned a minute ago, the manifestation gifts, the ministry gifts, the motivational gifts are all alluded to here. He says there are diversities of gifts by the Spirit, capital S, which is the Holy Spirit. Those are the manifestation gifts, and we're going to talk about those today. And that's how the Holy Spirit works through a believer in a given situation with supernatural power or intervention. And then he said, in that verse, there are differences of ministries by the Lord, by the Lord Jesus. And those allude to the ministry gifts from Ephesians, that Jesus gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher, for the equipping of the saints to do the work of ministry. And then he said, there are diversities of activities by God. Notice, Spirit, Lord, God. Those are the motivational gifts that we found in Romans that we talked about two weeks ago. And it's how that God has gifted you, handmade you. You know, I, uh, it's very difficult for me to walk into a store, especially with a suit, and buy a suit off the rack or dress shirts off the rack. I have a 37-inch sleeve length. And so that's a little hard because most of the time when you find a 17, 17 and a half neck, they'll have like 35 inch sleeves. And so it's, it's like, you know, when I grew up, in kid, grew up in school as a kid, I was tall and they never did long pants. And so all my pants were really short, you know. I, I thought that's the way they was always supposed to be. So it's difficult for me to walk in and just buy clothes off a rack. And so I have some shirts that are hand tailored. And so they fit. But here's what I want you to know. You can't find yourself on just a rack in a department store because you're handmade. You're handmade exactly the way you are because God has a purpose for your life. 
See, the whole thing about good news is not that you just get saved from hell and you have a home in heaven, but it's like right now you find your purpose for living and how God can work through you. If that excites you somewhere and you're excited, would you give the Lord a hand clap and say, yay, God, that's awesome. So he says in verse 7, look at this. But the manifestation, manifestation just means that it's made known. It's something that, that's not just in paper, but it actually works itself out. But the manifestation of Holy Spirit, the gifts, is given to people that are in full-time ministry. It's given to people that are one class above you. It's given to people who have their life together and deserve it. Does that not say that? But it says the manifestation of these gifts of the Spirit is to give them to each one or all. The Greek word is hekistos, which means inclusive, everyone, not just a few individuals, but hekistos. Look at your neighbor and say hekistos. That's a new barbecue sauce you'll find next week. <laughs> but it's saying, I want you to understand that everyone has a gift that God has put in you or worked through you for the benefit of giving God the glory, equipping the church, and reaching the lost for Jesus. He says, and the purpose is given each one of you for the what? Profit of all. That Greek word there just means benefit. So he says, to each one of you has been given this gift, each one, and that gift is given to you to profit everybody else. In other words, your motivational gift, whatever it is, is not for you to take a spiritual gifts test and say, oh, I have the motivational gift of mercy. I have the motivational gift of prophecy. I have the motivational gift of encouragement. And you say, oh, look at my gift. See how pretty it is? It's all wrapped in a nice box. It's there. That's who I am. That's my gift. And you just sit back and pet it and say, oh, that's nice and look at that. No, it's not, you. It's not for that. It's so that you can unwrap that gift and you can develop that gift for the benefit. Look at the people around you. Your gift is for the benefit of everyone that's here. And as we look at these spiritual gifts today, they're not for you to say, oh, wow, word of knowledge worked through me. Oh, wow, man, uh, the, uh, a gift of tongues worked through me. Ooh, I must be pretty spiritual. No. See, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, never speaks of himself. He speaks of what he hears the Father say. And so you see, when we get to the place that we think our spiritual gift or our gifts are greater than somebody else and it's all just about us, we miss the whole purpose. It's not. It's that you can use your gifts, your motivational gifts, that you can allow the, uh, the ascension gift ministries that Jesus gave, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, preacher, to equip you, or you can use these gifts of the Spirit to bring glory to God encourage the people that are around you that may come to you and say, man, I'm going through something. I don't know what I'm going through. And you look at them and you think, dang, I, I don't know how to help you. But then all of a sudden, a thought comes to you. So where did that come from? That's the gift of the Holy Spirit that we're going to talk about today. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. So he says it's given to you to benefit everybody else. Say benefit, benefit. So in verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Another is given the word of knowledge through the same what? Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings, notice plural, by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, plural. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues, 
but the one and the same Spirit, capitalized, Holy Spirit, works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, the difference in these manifestation gifts and the ascension gifts, the ministry uh, gifts, or the uh, motivational gifts, a motivational gift and a ministry gift seems to be permanent. It's residential. The gifts and the calling, the scripture says, are without repentance. That's why somebody who maybe used to be a preacher can walk away from the Lord. They get in a bar one night. I mean, they're walking away from the Lord. They get in a bar one night and get drunk as a skunk, and they just start preaching. And you think, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't, how can he do that? He's so drunk, he can't walk straight, but man, he's preaching. Because you see, God calls. Now, I'm not, you know, don't, don't get it wrong that we, don't, we shouldn't go to that church. The church of the drunk skunk. But what I'm just simply saying is, I can't get away from the calling that Jesus put on my life. I can run. I can say, I don't want to do that anymore. I quit. I'm taking time off. But I can't get away from it because it's permanent. And I'll give account to God. You see, if you're sitting in the seat this morning and I'm up here, I just want you to know you're going to get off easier than me. Scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. And the more authority that a person has, the more I'm judged more seriously than you. It's not just what I do, but it's my motives. It's what God has said to me. So if God hasn't called you into the ministry, don't volunteer. If he hasn't called you into the fivefold ascension gifts, don't volunteer. Because you're going to get your heart broke. You're going to get disappointed. You're going to struggle. But in the midst of all that, I remember as a kid, the cornfields of Illinois. I didn't come from a preacher's family. Nobody in my family in our entire history was ever a preacher. But I knew at about 12 that God had called me to preach. I didn't know how that would work. I remember as clear, I'm 71, I remember as clear as anything when I was about 11 or 12 going out to the cornfield, that was my altar place, uh, and, and I would kneel down. I remember the smell of the dirt. I can still remember it. And I can remember crying, saying, Lord, I feel like you called me, but I don't know how to make this happen. Nobody even knows where I am. Who heard of Corinth, Illinois? Who ever heard of that place? Nobody knows it. Lord, I feel like you're calling me, and I can't get away from it. And you know what? Every once in a while, I have to ask God, give me a smell of that cornfield again. Because I get tired. I want to quit. I want to give up. But I don't see retirement. Now, refiring in a few years, there'll be some readjustments of how much time I spend in the pulpit. I'm not invincible, and I'm not like some of our political leaders I won't go there. Anyway, <laughs> I refuse. I refuse. But the moment that I can't lead with strength, I believe that God will already have someone else there. So just erase what I just said a few minutes ago because some of you uh, would read that the wrong way, and you're new. So let's use the first service today when we broadcast it. <laughs> Jimmy, what'd you give me between services? I don't know. But it's, he gives, but the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit 
we don't own. I hear, I hear people say, well, I have the gift of the word of knowledge. No, the Holy Spirit manifests or distributes that to whom he needs. Because the amazing thing about that is that when you're in a small group or you're in your office, if you are baptized in the Spirit or with the Spirit, God can use any of these gifts at any time through anyone. And they're grace gifts. You don't earn them. Or just say, well, I'm not smart enough. I haven't been to school like Simone, and she's probably smart and knows how to do all these things. No, it has nothing to do with smart. It has nothing to do with... It's a grace gift from God that he wants to flow through you to bring him glory, to build up somebody's life, and to help us reach the loss for Jesus Christ. So... He says, I can operate any of these gifts through anybody at any time that I want. So there are three broad categories. There are the gifts of revelation. There are the gifts of inspiration. And there are the gifts of power. So today I want to talk about the gifts of revelation. Say revelation. These gifts operate primarily in the realm of the intellect. Intellect. They are understanding gifts which produce insight into revealed truth which convey the mind of God or God's thoughts. Say God's thoughts. Now, that's a long sentence, but let me break it down and help you understand what it is. It's basically saying that a spirit-filled believer can receive an understanding from heaven of something that they couldn't naturally have known, that they couldn't have naturally have known. And he goes on to say one of those is a word of knowledge. Say word of knowledge. Logos gnosis. It's a fragment of knowledge. It's to know something specific without learning it by natural means. And it's used to bless or benefit others. In other words, it answers the what. Write that down. It answers the what. And it refers to information. It's like, what, are we, what is this? What is, what is going on here? And remind me, I, I just remind you, I could give you some personal examples. Like I've been talking to people maybe in a counseling session or sitting across the table from someone, and they're pouring out their heart. They're talking about how tough life is and what's going on. And all of a sudden, into my spirit, into my spirit, I will sense, which is a word of knowledge, I will sense maybe a... Uh, a hurt that person experienced or maybe a difficulty or a person and I and I'll say to that person hey does this make sense to you I, as we were talking I was just sort of reminded of maybe something that happened in your life a few years ago it, it, does that make sense to you and they start crying they say oh oh yeah you say oh you're so smart you must have telepathy. Read minds. No. I'm just at a desperate time that I don't know what to tell that person. And I'm praying on the inside, Holy Spirit, please help me. I don't know. They're coming apart, I, and I don't know the words to say. I'm not as good as this as Pastor Tim is in counseling, you know. How's that make you feel? Let's encourage you this, all right? I, 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 I don't have that gift. <laughs> so I'm just saying, Holy Spirit, and, and the Lord just drops that in. That's a word of knowledge. That's a word. Here's what Jesus, Jesus has the same thing. And he, uh, and, and he's talking to the woman at the well. And uh, he says to her, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, rightly so. But you had five husbands. And the man you're living with now 
is not your husband. How did Jesus know that? You say, well, he's God. But let me remind you, Jesus didn't do any miracles until, he was until the Holy Spirit descended upon him in his baptism. And the scripture says when he came, he emptied himself of his godliness, even though he's 100% man, 100% God. When he walked on the earth, he walked as you and I would walk. So what happened there is he received a word of knowledge about this woman, not to embarrass her. You see, a word of knowledge is not to embarrass somebody and say, well, I see what happened in your life. Yo. Yeah, whatever you fill in that blank. Caught myself. But it's not to embarrass someone. It's to open up a door, soften their heart, for the good news of Jesus. Wow. Word of knowledge. Say word of knowledge. The second is word of wisdom. Logos Sophias. It's a divine answer or a solution for a particular situation knowing the right thing to say. Knowing the right thing to say. This answers the how. And it refers to instruction. Well, you know, how, how are we going to do that? It's not about the knowledge of what is the what but it's how are we going to apply that. So basically what it would be is that if, if you get a word of knowledge about a particular situation, then how are you going to handle that? What's the word of wisdom? I know I, one of our police officers that comes here often also serves sometimes as an undercover, undercover guy. And then talking with him, he'll say, there are times when I go into to a home or when I go into a situation, I just know where the person is. I just know what they've got, word of knowledge. But then you need to know how to handle that of what to do, right? So Jesus is with Peter. You see, so what I'm saying is these spiritual gifts are not just for in this church house. In, how much more would it be that in your business, in your family, something's coming up, you say, why are we going through this? I, I don't understand what's going on. Why am I having trouble with my kids? Why am I having trouble with my business? Why am I having trouble with all of this? And so we pray, we get quiet, and God gives us a word of knowledge about what's going on. But we say, okay, now I know what's going on. But what am I going to do about this? That's a word of wisdom. How am I going to apply the knowledge that he's given me to this particular situation? But what do we do? We run to a podcast. We run to somebody else. We run here. We run there. And we are spirit-filled believers with a supernatural ability to tap on to things that are far beyond us. But yet, if we don't know about these spiritual gifts, then we tend to not operate in that. Peter, example, Peter comes to Jesus. We got a problem, Jesus. Whew, I got the tax bill. What are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this? Don't know. Jesus says, word of wisdom. How are we going to get out? How are we going to, what's the answer to this situation? So Jesus says, well, get your fishing pole. Go down, throw the line. Mark, Matthew chapter 17, verse 27. Throw the line in the water. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch. And you're going to find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the taxes for us. Wow. How'd you know that, Jesus? Well, it's a word of wisdom. How are we going to pay the taxes? How are we going to apply the answer? There it is. Paul, Acts 27. He's in a storm. 
everybody's uh, freaking out. They've thrown the grain overboard, everything else. And so uh, the military is going to shoot the, the prisoners that are there. And Paul says to them, hey, wait, 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 wait. I have a word. I was given a word last night that everybody that stays on board and listens, they're going to be saved. And can't you imagine, can't you imagine those detailed people coming up to Paul? Okay, we're going to be saved. How are we going to, get, how are we going to be saved? And what's Paul say? Don't know. Word and wisdom, a fraction of the fullness of that. See, some of you, God has given you a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom from time, and you're afraid to speak it because you don't know all the detail of it. But everything operates by faith, and I operate in the level that I have. If I start off simply saying, you're going to make it, I just, I just know you're going to make it. And you say to me, okay, how am I going to make it? I don't know. But I feel a word from the Lord to tell you you're going to make it. It's a fragment. It's part of that. That's why so many people have a tough time leaning into the Spirit because they only get a fragment of that. But it's when you step out on that fragment. How did Peter walk on the water? He had to get one sandal wet before he could walk on that water. And you're sitting here waiting and saying, God, use me, help me. And he says, use what you've got. Use what you've got in your hand. Find your place to serve. Find your place to pray. Work on the gift that he's given you. Develop that. If God has given you a motivational gift, what are you doing with it develop it I know that God has given me this gift but you think this gift just comes natural no I work on this I can't tell you how many hours I put into this series why because this series is so important because some of you have never heard about the Holy Spirit some of you have preconditioned thoughts in your mind about the Holy Spirit and the Lord's saying to me if the Father's house is going to go where I want the Father's house to go, people have to understand that I've given them a gift that is beyond themselves. And that gift brings gifts with him. And it's going to be amazing what I'm going to do in your life. Well, if you love God and Holy Spirit, give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. <laughs> word of knowledge, word of wisdom. And then a discerning of spirits. Diocrisis pneumatin. It actually says, if you want to draw it out in your notes, it's actually a judgment of spirits. Judgment of spirits. It's a supernatural ability to perceive a true spiritual situation, discerning what spiritual forces are at work. In other words, it's the ability to discern the spirit behind what you're going through. Now, I hear people say sometimes, well, I have the gift of discernment. There is no gift of discernment. There's no gift of discernment in the Bible. There's a discerning of spirits, which tells you what kind of spirit is behind this situation. But I find that most people that say they have the gift of discernment, they can walk in a room and, and they know people's sins and everything, that really it's just basically uh, they have an anointing of judgmentalism and criticism. So that's my word for you today, all right? But a discerning of spirits, when something happens and you say, what's, what's the source of that? It could be a source of demonic influence. It could be the Holy Spirit as a source. Or it could be just fleshly, right? How many of you believe there are demons at work in this world today? 
And demons can affect people's thoughts, actions, and motives. Some of you deal with things. In your, now listen, I'm not one of those people who see a demon ever under chair, under every chair. Look under your chair right now. There's probably a demon right there, you know. It's your husband. It's your wife. You know, all the situation. It's your kids. I, I don't see demons everywhere. But the demons that I do see had to submit to the name that is above every name. And his name is Jesus. But some of the things that you are facing, you need to understand what is the source. Discern the source of that. Is that a demonic force? Is that the Holy Spirit maybe bringing me into a new level? Or is that just pure old flesh that somebody has? So we see that happening. Remember in Acts chapter 16, Paul is going and preaching and preaching and preaching. And for days, this young girl is following him around. And she's saying, these men are servants of the Most High God. They've come to tell you how to be saved. And so it's day after day after day. Now, listen. Is she saying untruth? No. She's speaking the truth. But you see, you can hear the truth, but you better know the spirit behind that truth because the enemy is able to give you a little bit of truth so that he can suck you in and you go down a path that's a wrong path. It's like I heard somebody the other day say, well, a friend of mine said they're going to go to a psychic and they're going to go try to get some knowledge from a psychic. Well, the Bible forbids that and says that we shouldn't do that. But then what did they say? Oh, but yeah, but I walked in there and they have like scripture verses on the wall. So if they got scripture verses on the wall, then it must be all right to go to a psychic, right? Wrong. What's the motive behind that? So we've got to be careful. When something happens, you've got to say, Holy Spirit, help me to discern, to distinguish these spirits. Am I just dealing with a cantankerous, rebellious kid? Or am I dealing with a child that's been confused by a demonic spirit? And when I see that, then I'm going to rise up and say, no, honey, we don't act like that in this house. I take authority over that spirit in the name of Jesus. I command that spirit to go. And you don't have to labor that all week long. It has to go in the name of Jesus. Amen? I don't know why I'm yelling, but it seemed appropriate at that time. <laughs> you have to take your eyes off me and find your place. What is your place? This church is missing something if you're not in your place. Let me read this verse, passage. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. The human body has many parts. That's not new to anybody, is it? Okay, good. I was worried about that. You know, you know your body has many human parts. But the many parts make up what? The whole body. So it is with the church, the body of Christ. We've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we share the same spirit. Yep, the body has many different parts, but not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? And if the whole body were an eye, that's a good little picture there, isn't it? How would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell? But our bodies, look at this, have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. 
say, well, I don't know why God has gifted me like this. I don't know why he's put me. He's put you where he wants you. He knows how, the, he knows how this house, the Father's house, should operate. So he put you right where he wants you. You say, well, I don't have the same gift as somebody else. Well, thank God, because if you both were the same way, one of you would be useless, right? So he says that he places us just where he wants us. Say, where he wants us. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say into the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Read the last verse with me. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. You see, if the Lord has brought you to the Father's house, and this is where he's put you, and you know this is where you are, that unless you're using your gifting somewhere to serve, in this house or in the community, then here's what it looks like. We're just dragging because my right side won't work because my leg and my right arm are not in place. So could we ever be that svelte power machine that we should be without everyone finding their place? Where's your place? See, I could talk like this. And then all of a sudden, we'd say, if it weren't for you, it would be like this. You know why? You know why we had that little breakdown? Sorry, uh, CT there in the back, first service. We didn't tell you we were going to do that. And she goes ballistic. I can't hear him. I can't hear him. Jimmy's going to run a microphone up to me. Everybody's going to handle that. But you see, if Sam wasn't in his place, thank you, Sam, and all of our production team. You might be able to hear me if I yell in here, but those online wouldn't be able to hear. It's the same thing in the Father's house. God has placed you here. He has a place for you. you. Say, well, I don't know what it is. Well, then, here's a couple things we can do. First of all, you can take that connection card, and on the back it says, um, give me information about volunteer opportunities. I don't want to be just somebody that sits in the shadows. I want to get off the bench. I want to get on the team. You say, yeah, but nobody, nobody would know. Uh, my gift is so insignificant, nobody would know. Are you kidding, are you kidding me? Leslie and some of the ladies come in, and you know what they do? They pray over this building, and they put the little tithe envelopes and the connection card in the back of the chair. You never thought about that. In between services, part of our detail, it takes the little machine back there, and they kill all the COVID germs. So they're, so they're not in here when you're here. Our, our lawn-keeping team, they come. They're here some mornings before I get here. And they're saying, got to get out there before the rain comes. Why? Because I want everything pretty. And then this Miss Brenda's got a green thumb. I have a black thumb. Everything I try dies. Those beautiful potted plants out front, the, the blue ones, they're gorgeous. I don't know how she keeps those things alive. I would have killed them already. But you see, all the little things that you don't think makes much difference, people who sign you in, 
serve the coffee. Get here earlier, do that. Get next door to take care of your babies. Walk through that room and pray over all the babies that will come. You don't know. You don't, that's why when you get that thing that says, will you serve today? And people say, no, I'm not going to serve. Will you do? Listen, I'm going to tell you. People say, I just need time to back away. Excuse me. Back away from what? What do you need to back away from? If God has particularly placed you, now I know there's seasons that we're tired, you have to get refreshed. There are times I have to get on my motorcycle and go to the mountains and ride the mountains because if I didn't, I would be so grumpy that you would want to fire me next week, right? I know that. But I can never get to the place to say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to park cars. I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to uh, do those things. I just... I need time to find me. You'll never find you until you find your place. And when you find your place, you aggressively get there and say, I'm not doing anything other than what God called me to do. Did you get this today? Does it make sense to you? Would you give the Lord a hand clap if it makes sense to you? It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.